So glad you're here. What a fun day it's been. I mean, uh, we just, uh, it's our first day to really dive into uh, a text that we've read um, throughout the week, and what a fun day. Um, I'm thankful for our church. I, uh, I want to mention to you, we're, we're, our, our workplace mission trip is about to start. If you've not ever done that, uh, consider that. Uh, that's coming up. You can sign up on our website and, and uh, go, go on a mission trip to your own, where you work. And uh, it's, it's a really great thing, so consider that. Also, um, I just want to say to you as a church, great job. And, I'm, I'm, and thank you. Do you know that we ended the year this year as a church, uh, and our church gave, we kept, not only kept the commitment that we made to the Lord last year with our budget, our church gave over and above our 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 budget. And, um, and I'm thankful for that because we're, we're, we're in the process of learning to steward all that God's given us and do it debt-free. And so, you know, the pattern is of, you know, building things and taking care of things is just to go into debt and spend money you don't necessarily have. And we're not doing that as a church. And so that's why we've got our next steps going and, and just in our regular ministry budgets, and and I just want to thank you for giving over and above what, um, and giving towards next steps, and and I'm excited about our next steps. You know, one of the the next steps we're taking is we're renovating the bathrooms, that that our campus development team is going to do that, and we're, it's going to be so exciting. Uh, Like, you're going to want to hold it until you come to church. These bathrooms are going to be so (laughs) awesome, and um, we're thinking about taking reservations to go to the bathroom here, uh, because it's going to be so, maybe maybe that's a little extreme, but um, but I laughed at myself when that came into my head. Um, but uh, like most of my jokes, I laugh at myself. But thank you for humoring me. But uh, over the next 12 months, we're, we're really going to be digging into our, our future plan for Tulsa and just all that's going on. So we want to invite you to, to our next steps and to give to those things and, and to continue to be faithful. So great job as a church. I just want to both thank you and, and say, say good job. Now, now, we started reading through the Bible, and, and, um, and, and like Joe said, just jump in with us. If you haven't jumped in, jump in where we are, because we're, we're going to, every Sunday, we're going to dive into a passage that we've read. And this morning, if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 4. There's so many interesting passages that we've read, but we're in this series. We're starting this series called Radical Obedience. And as we walk through kind of the meta-narrative of the Bible, that's what we're doing this year. We're going to kind of just take a, a walkthrough of the entire Bible as a body, and we're going to look at this in Bible study, and I'm grateful for all of our Bible study leaders and how many of you have taught on this passage today. You've looked at this passage, Genesis 4, and Cain and Abel, and that's what we're going to, going to really allow the Lord to capture our minds and our attentions today on uh, Genesis 4. So stand with me and... And let's look at this. Now, this is a story of Cain and Abel. We're going, to read the, we're going to read verses 1 through 12. And as we read this passage, I want you to notice a couple of things and pay attention to a couple of things. Of, uh, and one is how, is through this story, you get this vivid picture of how sin wrecks our lives and how it destroys our families. And, and the truth is, you can, you can really trace every dark season in history there's a common denominator, and it's sin. When you think about even our own lives, you can trace a dark, the darkest parts of our own lives if you can trace it back to sin. 
And so just keep that in mind as we look at this passage. Now, verse 1, Genesis chapter 4. Now, Adam knew Eve as wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to his brother, to Abel, his brother, and they were in the field. Cain rose up against his brother, Abel, and killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, where's, your, where's Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now, um, you know, when you look at this passage, and in a lot of the passages that we've read this week, um, there's some unanswerable questions. Like, just look at this passage. Like, verse 3. We don't know what the origin of sacrifice was. In verse 3, we don't know that. Look at verse 5. Um, there's some debate on why was Cain's sacrifice rejected. There's some question there. There's um, verse 14. We didn't read it in this just, just now. But um, whose vengeance did Cain fear? He's afraid. Who, who was that? Verse 17, you wonder, did, did Cain confess to his parents? After they killed Abel? I don't know. Verse 17, who was Cain's wife? Oh, we don't know. Uh, verse 17, who lived in the city that Cain built? Lots of questions. Now, now Genesis, you've got to understand, is not a complete narrative of the human race. It's just not. It's fragmented. And, and, um, and often in Scripture, we're, we're, um, we're forced to trust just what God has revealed. We've got to understand that God was not under any obligation to reveal anything to us. And, um, but he did reveal some things to us because he loves us. And I think it's very interesting that God has been in pursuit of man for a long time. And you see it right here, that God is in pursuit of man. And, and here's what we've learned, that we can trust what has been revealed. Now, there's some questions and there's some speculations, and that's okay. It's okay to speculate. But look back at verse 1. Now, Adam knew knew Eve, his wife. She conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother, Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. 
Notice verse 3, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Now, now we can understand and see that we don't know what the timeline was. It was a course of time, probably a long time. So we don't know all that happened in that course of time. But we're, we see in the text that it was a course of time. It was a, a long time. Now, there's a lot of things to recognize and pull out from this passage. And I want to just pull out several things that I think are interesting to, that I think God has for us today that helps us understand his word a little bit. But number one, I, I think you can see here, and I pray that we recognize the growing trap of sin. And you see this in the story of Cain and Abel. Now, now notice the difference in these offerings. We don't know the origin of these offerings. We don't know the instructions of the offerings. Um, but, but when you just read the text, the, the, Cain's offering seems thoughtless. It seems like, oh, I'm gonna, here's, here's what I'm giving to the Lord. This is a thoughtless offering. But Abel brought the best of what he had. And you know, when you dig into this, it causes, causes me to just stop and think about what I give to the Lord. Not just in my, my tithes and offerings that I give, but in my, my life, in my service to the Lord. Do, do I bring my best to the Lord? Do I give the Lord my best? Or am I thoughtless or just casual? Well, I'll just give the Lord, I'll just give that. Um, I think we can see from this text that how we give and what we give matters. We ought to think about that. You know, there's some historic arguments about why Abel's offering was was preferred by God, and, and um, some, some argue that uh, Abel's offering consisted of flesh. You know, it was a blood sacrifice. We know from, we can look back at Hebrews 9 and, and look back at the, the children of Israel and how they offered animal sacrifices. We've come to understand this, this special revelation. God revealed that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. So we can think about that, but, but I don't know if that necessarily applies to Cain. Maybe, maybe um, it's worth considering, but, um, um, but, but when you think about it, Cain was doing the same job Adam had. Remember Adam when he was, um, um, when he was working the agriculture, planting, working the ground. So, so I don't know if it's necessarily that Cain's offering was the wrong kind of offering um, because what he was doing was following the work of his father. It was Abel that moved into a different work with the animals. Um, you know, uh, some say, well, maybe he didn't perform the right ritual. May maybe, but we don't know what was given to Cain. We don't know the instructions. We're not given that information. Um, in, in some of those arguments are kind of an argument of, from silence. They're okay to speculate, and they may be right, but, but it's a little bit of guesswork. But, but I think one of the things we do see in the, in the story of Cain is we, you see his heart revealed with Cain's offering. And when we know all through the Scripture that, that like 1 Samuel 16, 7, we understand that the Lord looks at the heart, that it's the proper worship and proper giving is in the heart of the worshiper. And sometimes we come to worship with the wrong hearts. We, we focus on the wrong things. Sometimes we allow, um, we, we, we don't like something or the music or the instruments or whatever. You know, I don't like that preacher or whatever. And, and those may be reasons for that. But, 
But it's the heart of the worshiper that, that God always looks at and asks us to evaluate our heart. And, and, and I think that's an interesting application here. The story of Cain and Abel also shows us how sin completely disrupts our lives. And it'll disrupt you. Sin has consequences that are, like we, we've said often, that it'll, it'll take you further than you want to go. It has a price tag higher than you want to pay. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. And, and it's interesting as we look at the modern world that we are in, that are, that, that a world that's calling evil, doing evil and calling it good, and, and what they see as good is, oh, well, that's wrong, that's evil. It's, it's fascinating to be in the world that we're in. But you know, it's interesting as I process the world we're in that, that people say, well, I want to do these things that, that are against God and I want, want it to make me feel better. But sin never works, ever. It will never produce for you. It always is destructive. It's actually more destructive than you think. And you see this in the story of Cain and Abel. And, and you see the progressiveness of sin. Think about Adam. Think about Adam's sin. Adam, we read about him. He uh, was tempted to sin by Eve, right? And then, and then God confronted them about their nakedness. They said, oh, we're naked, we're hiding. And, and remember, uh, he said, why, why are you naked? God confronted Adam and Eve, and, and who told you this? And, and Adam said, well, she, she made me do it. He, so he blamed her. But then when God delivered the punishment about leaving Eden, what did Cain do? Cain accepted it and silently just said, okay, I, I understand. He accepted it. Adam did that. Did I mess, did I mess that up? Thank you. I think I thought, did I say that wrong? I did. Adam did that. Cain, look what he did. Cain took it further than his father. I mean, you look at verse 7, God comes to Cain. Cain, you brought this wrong sacrifice. Cain, if you do what is right, oh, come on, buddy. God comes to him, and yet Cain then took it further. And, and he just flat out killed his brother. Let anger and bitterness and all that just reigned. And then when you think about Cain, it's interesting. When God confronted him, he made a joke about it. Am I my brother's keeper? I don't know. What are you talking about? And then when God said, look, no, he's calling to me from the ground. Here's your punishment, Cain. He gripes about it. God, this is too much for me. It's very interesting. You see the progressiveness of sin here. Sin is progressive. It'll never deliver for you. When you think about sin, the, the, the growing trap of sin, it, it moves you, your motives grow darker when you're stuck in sin. Your, your attitude sours. You see this with sin. Consequences get worse. That's why it makes sense in John 10.10 10, that Jesus said, the thief comes with the steal to kill, to destroy. That's what Satan does. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And you see God in pursuit of Cain going, look, Cain, look, I've given you these instructions for your good. But Cain just rejected him. It's interesting. 
think that's, a, that's something you see here in this, in this passage. But, but, but you know what else you see? Uh, uh, I think that it's fascinating. Look at verse 6. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? You know, because obviously I think we can assume that and look and realize that Cain knew that he needed to bring something to God. He knew the right sacrifice to bring, but he didn't. He's like, why are you angry about this? Why is your face fallen? Because if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is contrary to you. You must rule over it, God says. Now, the second point I think is obvious is just staring at us, that, that we need to seriously, seriously consider why, or excuse me, what, why, and how you give. We, we've got to seriously consider this. I think we see this in this passage. I think this may surprise you, but... Um, you know, of the top four words, the most common words in the Bible, the fourth most common word in the Bible is um, believe. You know how many times the word believe is used in the, in the Bible? It's used uh, 272 times, the word believe. That's the fourth most common used word in the Bible. So the third most common used word in the Bible is pray. 371 times the word pray is used in the Bible. What do you think the second one is? You're right, love. Love is the second most used word in the Bible. It's 714 times the word love is used in the Bible. The most common used word in the Bible is give. Do you know how many times the word give is used in the Bible? 2,162 times. It's fascinating. When I look at the story, I think, I think God's teaching us a little bit about giving. The first thing I think that we, you know, let's understand what the Bible teaches about giving. Um, you know, I think that there, there are responses. Cain's response to giving, we have a lot to learn here. When, when I think about our response to giving, giving to God, you know what it allows me to do? It allows, it allows me to express appreciation for his past blessings. You think about Cain. He was giving from the blessing that God had given to him. And that's what he was giving. And that's what giving does. It gives us the opportunity to recognize that, that God, everything that I have comes from you. I mean, notice this text. It talks about how, look, Cain, one of the results of his sin is that the ground won't produce what, how God, he'll lose the blessing of God from the ground. And the truth is, everything you and I have has been given to us from the Lord. That's so important to understand. Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. The, 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 the Bible tells us, we give to the Lord our first and our best. And Cain didn't do that. Abel did. And, and, we, and we recognize that everything we have is because God has given them to us. And God's the source of all that we have. And if God, uh, God can take away all that we have, we've seen this all through the, we see this through the scriptures, that he's the source of our abilities, he's the source of our natural resources, he's the source of everything. And, and our giving is an expression of gratitude. God, I'm going to give out of gratitude to what you've given to me. And, and I think it's interesting, 
that we make financial commitments for a lot of things. We, we make financial commitments for our house, for our cars, for, for all these things. But, but can I ask you, have you ever sat down and said, God, here's a, here's a financial commitment I want to make to you? You ought to consider that. I mean, I think about the call as a, as a pastor. Um, you know, God has given us, you know, I've had a lot of pastor friends that it would say, well, some that were younger would say, you know, uh, I give a lot of time as a pastor. And, and I do. It's labor to be a pastor. It is. It's labor. But God calls me to give my money, not just my time. And, and, and so it's important for us to learn to give. Now, think about, think about what you read today, what, what Joe just read. Think about those women that, that, that we learned about them and we heard about them. What were they doing? They were giving from within their means to Jesus. Oh, my goodness, that's incredible to think about that, that, that we share um, in this calling to, to give, of our, give, give out of gratitude to the Lord. That's something we see in this, this passage that... Giving is a result of gratitude, appreciation for my past blessings. But a second, the Bible talks about giving. My giving to God allows me to live beyond my selfishness in the present. That one of the things that giving does, it helps me outgrow my selfish tendencies. Because we have a human nature to be selfish and to look at self. And, and our giving helps us look beyond our own needs and look to the needs of others. And this is a calling for believers. This is why all through history, notice that the hospitals, if you do the history of hospitals, they're named Baptist Hospital and Presbyterian Hospital. Because well, why, why is that the case? Because it was Christians who longed to bring help and health to the world. Now, it's probably a little shifted today because they make a little money. Band-Aids are like 50 bucks at the hospital, but I don't know how to do that. But, but Luke 12, it talks about this selfishness idea with giving. Luke 12, he, he tells this story about this, this man who was wealthy, and he was a rich man, and he brought in this bumper crop. And in verse, if you look at Luke 12, verse 18, he said, I will do this, this man that was blessed so much. He said, I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat and drink and be merry. But God said to him, fool. This night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. And we understand that as a believer, as a follower of Christ, that, that we're to give, and when I give, it, it's a remedy to my own selfishness. Giving is an antidote for self-centeredness. So not only that, not only is giving a reminder of gratitude and, and an expression of gratitude for what God has given me, not, not only is it a help for our tendency to be selfish, but I think that giving to God allows me to enlarge the expectations of my future. Because God tells us, to, he calls us to give. And, and it was good for, for Cain and Abel to learn to give, learn to understand that God was the source of all their giving. And Abel brought the very best and said, God, I am thankful for you. And, and Cain just brought some things. And, and I think that 
We see this all through the Bible. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And you, you see this farmer analogy all through the scripture that, that and, and right there in 2 Corinthians, you see this, that if, you, if a farmer goes out and just scatters a little bit of seed, he's going to get a little bit of yield. But if he scatters a, a lot of seed, he's going to get a, a lot of yield. We see this in, in the verse that Joe read, that this, Jesus told the parable about the, the guy that throwed through the seed. Some fell on rocky ground, but the but the good ground, oh my goodness, it yielded a hundredfold, it says. Now, we see all through the scripture that we reap in proportion to what we give. Giving shows your faith. God says it's like planting seeds. It's investing in the kingdom. Oh my goodness, we get to invest in the work of God. And we're responsible with this. As, as, as a pastor, I'm responsible for this. As, as a church member, as believers, we're responsible to further the kingdom. Proverbs 19, 17 says this, Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. Proverbs eleven twenty five: A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And I want us to recognize that the Bible points to the fact that giving is an investment in the future of the kingdom. And God invites us to be a part of this. So I guess the question, really, when you look at this story of Cain and Abel, um, what is your heart in your giving? What is your, um, uh, what are you expecting God to do in your life? And, and these are moments that help us sit down and evaluate our own heart, our own lives. Now, I want you to notice verse 7. I, I want to challenge you to meditate on verse 7. I want to push you to memorize verse 7. I, I memorized it years ago in the old NIV, and it says this. If you do what is right... Will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, and you must master it. Now, let me clarify something. Um, you know, there's no way you're going to ever be good enough to earn your way to heaven. Okay, so some people could read this book and say, I got to try harder to, to, to get to God. That, that's, not, that's not true. Because you can never earn your way. You can never work hard enough. You know, in my life, I, have a, I want you to know, you can, never, you can never be pleasing to the Lord without the Holy Spirit in your life, without coming to faith in Christ. You know, you know I, what's interesting about my own life is I got saved when I was young, and, and the worst sins I've committed was after I was a believer. You know, I'll tell you, that might be true for many of us. And, and, and so much struggle comes when God's people get stuck in sin and disobey the Lord. And I want you to know something, that, that, that you can't earn your way to heaven. And, and I, have a, I have a massive sense of urgency in my heart. Like I'm starting a podcast this week. And it's about grief and loss and dying and death. I mean, I wrote my dissertation on death and dying. It's 
awesome. People love to talk about it at parties that I go to. It's great. <laughs> but, but I'll tell you, I have had an unusual number of funerals in my life of younger people. You know that in the first service, there were three people in the room, three couples in the room, that I walked with them as they buried their children. They were all sitting in the room. And I'll tell you what, I have a sense of urgency about, about you coming to, to, to faith in Christ. Because let me tell you, I, I just want to be honest with you. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you have no hope in this life or the next. And, I, and believe me, there's a next life. We see this from the very beginning. The Bible talks about laying up treasures in heaven. And the only way you can get to heaven is by coming to recognize you're a sinner and you need a Savior, and that's why Jesus came. And so don't read Genesis 4-7 and think that you got to somehow try harder to get to heaven. You can't come to Jesus. Trust him. You know what will happen is the Holy Spirit will be in your life. And see, God is in pursuit of humanity. I think it's fascinating that, that God went to Cain. God was in, he's in, pursuit, it was in pursuit of Cain. God's in pursuit of your heart. That's why in this room, you, ought to, you don't leave this room without knowing Christ as your Savior. But when you come to know Christ as your Savior, you know what happens? The Holy Spirit is in you, and God speaks to you. God confronts you. God did this with Cain. He did it with Adam. He did this with me. And so I think it's beautiful to look at how God confronted Adam and Cain in their sin. And this is what God does. He confronts us in our sin. And, and you know, I pray that we as believers, as followers of Christ, hear what God said to Cain. Oh, look. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? God, God has shown us what is right. He's shown us the way to live. And he warns us, but if you don't do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. And you know what? You've got to master it. You know what happens when you come to know Christ? The Holy Spirit indwells you. The Holy Spirit speaks to you. He guides you. He confronts you. And I think point three is so very important. It's this, that, that we need to learn to look for the way out of temptation. Folks, there's a way out of temptation. Notice how, how God came to Cain and said, look, Cain, if you do this, if you do what I said to do, you're going to be accepted. You're going to make it. It's going to be all right. The, the path for me with me is life. Following Christ is the path to life. Rebelling against God is going to wreck you. And I've seen believers absolutely wrecked because of sin. Now, they're going to go to heaven. God forgives them. And what's amazing is that you see the grace of God in this story right here. Look at Genesis 4, 7. God warns him, look, Cain, you've got to master it. There's a way out of temptation that we face. But look what Cain said. Cain spoke to his brother, Abel, his brother. Look at verse 8. When they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother, Abel, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother? 
Look at his flippant response. I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Look at that attitude that he has towards God. And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. And notice verse 12. When when you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. I think it's interesting to recognize Cain overlooked the fact that God blessed the work of his hands, and that's true for every one of us, too. That that we sometimes forget, God, you are the owner of everything we have. And, And we've got to see everything that's in our stewardship in that way. And he says, you'll be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, Look, he's like, Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you've driven me today away from the ground, from, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and wander on the earth. Whoever finds me will kill me. And look at the grace that God shared, showed him. And the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should, should attack him. Now, so many, there's a lot of questions here, a lot of things to wrestle with here, a lot of things we don't know here. But I love how God has historically shown grace, even when we're rebellious. How God provided, I mean, you see the consequences. Cain still had to deal with the consequences. But, but, but we've got to learn to look for the way out of temptation. We've got to recognize that Satan hates you. We've got to not believe what the world is dishing to us because we live in a world that's calling evil good and good evil. And this is why I think it's so important for us to be in the Word of God, to allow God's Word to speak to us so we can recognize what's in front of us that we can recognize that there's a way out of all the temptations that come our way. We can live in radical obedience to the Lord. That's what we're called to do, is live in radical obedience to God at every area, though it doesn't make sense to a lost world that we would see God as the source of everything in our lives, that we would give so freely and so, so faithfully to help people, that, that homeless people in Tulsa. The fact that God has allowed us to be a part of that is thrilling. The the, the mission center that we're doing, we're called to these things. And we should be using these things. And and we recognize 1 Peter 5.8, as you look at this warning in Genesis 4.7, 1 Peter 5.8 says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. And and we need to recognize that, look, the Holy Spirit will strengthen us. The Holy Spirit will guide us. The Holy Spirit will will warn us. But you got to learn to walk through the door of escape. You know there's a door of escape, right? you got to memorize this passage. you got to memorize Genesis 4-7. you got to memorize 
1 Corinthians 10, 12, and 13. That's got to be a passage that's on your heart. I really want to challenge you to work to write that verse, those verses on your heart. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says this, if you think you're standing firm, be careful so that you do not fall. There's a lot of Christians that fall. And, and, and we, we stumble and fall. If you think you're standing firm, be careful so that you do not fall. For, and then 1 Corinthians 10, 13, for no temptation has seized you except what is common to man, but God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear, and when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. And that's why you've got to have the Holy Spirit in your life. This is why you can't do this on your own. This is why you, you begin, salvation is coming to Christ and knowing God. And then what happens then, the Holy Spirit indwells you and the Holy Spirit corrects you. And the Holy Spirit uses his word to shape our thinking and help us think right, help us live right. And you have a power that is not on your own. It's a supernatural power. And, the, and God will provide a door. Walk through it. So, uh, you know, our Mission Life Challenge, I need to probably wrap up today. Joe, come on up. Um, but, but can I just challenge us as we begin 2023? Let's become cheerful and watchful givers in 2023. Let's watch the Lord move. Let's, let's, let's allow the Lord to, let, let's take him at his word. Let's look to him. Let's surrender to him. Let's, let's, let's trust him. And, and, and I'll tell you, I, 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 let's trust him enough. Say, Lord, we will believe you. We will allow your word to shape the way we think and the way we live. You know, we're going to have an invitation. And oh, I just got to tell you if, you, if you need, if you don't know Christ, um, oh, don't. I, 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 I'm amazed how God is in pursuit of humanity. It blows my mind that God would leave heaven, come here as a missionary, and allow us to know him, to reveal himself to us. Let me tell you, there's a reason to believe in the God of the Bible. There's a reason to reject every other teaching that's outside of this. Join us this year as we walk through the Bible. Look, you can do it. We need to do it. Jump in with us. Um, you know, we're here to help you. Maybe you need to pray today. Maybe you need to get on your knees and ask the Lord for strength today. Maybe there's someone on your heart you need to pray for. You know, I want to ask that you allow God to move you. Um, would you stand where you are? And, and as you stand, Jonathan Watts, I want y'all to go stand over there if you want. 
Craig and Tammy, would you go stand over there? Just in the back. Balls, Terry, I want you all to come right here. Would you do that for me? And um, Shell, I want you to come stand right here. Yeah. You know, maybe you need somebody to pray for you. We have men and women around this room that would just pray for you. Maybe you need to come to Jesus today. Don't, don't walk out of this room not knowing for sure that you're, the Holy Spirit's in your life and you're going to heaven. God, don't do that. Maybe you need to, maybe God has moved your heart in your giving. Maybe you need to get on your knees and repent of that. And just allow the Holy Spirit to move you today. He, he sees you. He confronts us. to walk with you. Lord, we give you this time. I ask that you would move in this room. I ask that you would strengthen us. I thank you for these very clear calls throughout your word to radically obey you. And I pray that we would hear you and we would follow you. Lord, I love you. Move us right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Altars are open. We invite you to come.